0: Welcome to The Makeshift CMO, a startup marketing podcast for founders and early stage company teams. So in today's episode, I have the pleasure of having Ali Abas. He's the director of marketing at Crowdlinker. I first met Ali back when we were allowed to be in the actual office. And it's so funny that this podcast is about sort of mind sharing between growth and marketing people from early stage teams. We met at a meeting with a lot of teams, with some of our friends, just mind sharing. And that's what we're going to do today. Ali's going to drop some value all over the place. He is a wizard in the world of SEO and paid search. Ali, we are glad to have you today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Cool. Ali, how was your holiday, man?
1: Oh man, it was super productive. So we actually had our first meeting. So a lot of us went up to vacation from Crowdlinker where I'm currently at. So a lot of us went off to vacation around holiday times. We all came back on the port. So we had the marketing team just a little like, hey, what did you do during the break? What did you learn during the break? What did you learn during the year? Stuff like that. So yeah, for me personally, it, it was extremely busy in a good way. So I got obviously not going anywhere, stay at home. And I completed like seven or eight online courses. I did one on Facebook ads. I did one on copywriting. I did a couple on Instagram marketing. I did a couple on how to create a blog, how to operate in Webflow. So yeah, for me, it was extremely, fruitful break i can't complain
0: there's two types of people in the pandemic they're one that focus on drama and other things yeah. that they can't control and then they get sad and then there's you who kind of attack it i love that was that a virtual retreat kind of like a virtual retreat thing at like crowdlinker where you guys just kind of like get put on the table what you're doing or
1: yeah so it's actually our like scrum meeting sort of so we have one on okay Monday at 9am but instead of like getting into like hey this is what we need to do this is what we need to do we just kind of just chilled out reflected for an hour and I think it was awesome like I got so many learnings from you know a lot of people that you might know Sergey Aeon. Or, um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that's, that's the original Tim Hortons crew there. So yeah, lots to dive into. I know you've learned about a lot of stuff that like later on we can cover, but I figured we'd start off by talking about your bread and butter mm-hmm. SEO paid search. I know you gave a presentation recently. I read it before the break. The show is geared towards small marketing teams and early stage founders. So why don't you just talk about a little bit of your basic methodology when it comes to picking keywords? You know, SEO is such a black box for people. Yeah. Why don't you give us a little rundown for the people?
1: Yeah, so for sure. So I've been in SEO for about six years now. i worked with a bunch of companies, especially in the Toronto tech startup space. And usually what I come across is the first question they'll always ask me is what content do I need to write and what keywords do I need to that's usually the first question which I'm confronted with. Although there's so many other parts of SEO, that's what the majority of people think SEO actually is. And through working with so many early stage startups and just small businesses, I think I have sort of like a process nailed down and I'll share with you guys like right now. So essentially when I'm looking at keywords, I'm looking at two different things. So I'm A, looking at keywords which are low funnel. So they are low funnel keywords, which are like a business insurance Ontario would be like a low funnel. It would be like barbers near me. Or barbers in Markham or something like that. So you always have to be hitting these low funnel keywords, which I think a lot of people really disregard. And they just start building just top funnel keywords such as, for example, let's go back to insurance. Like what is business insurance or what what is commercial liability insurance or stuff like that? That content is also really, really extremely useful. But you also want to also be focusing on your low funnel keywords. So with me, it's all about intent. So I try to hit every single intent whenever I'm trying to do keywords or telling people to create content. So, you know, you have a good balance of high level keywords, which are like what or how to do something or what is something. And then you have your middle funnel keywords where you're basically doing comparisons and you're giving a little bit more information about the pain or the solution. And then finally, you have your bottom funnel keywords, which are if this person is searching this specific keyword, I know for a fact that they are a buyer and they're very close to becoming a purchaser of a product, whether that's that's our product or whether that's a competitor's product. So before I get into that, do you have any questions about what I just said?
0: No, no. I'm really glad you got into that because you mentioned a point there where a lot of people want to go for those like broad keywords, like what is insurance and whatever, maybe it's because I'm a marketer, but I always think of it differently. Like if we were working together, the first question I would ask you is something like, how quickly can we get to those low funnel keywords? I was wondering, like, how do you know when you start a campaign, how quickly you can get to those low funnel keywords?
1: So how quickly can you get to them? So there's a few different ways which you can really go about it. The simplest way is you need to understand that Google will rank you on a couple of different things, but, mm-hmm. uh, but the most important things are how you stack up against your competitors in terms of your overall authority. And the other thing is how relevant is your pace to the person who's searching a specific query? So with low funnel keywords, what you're ideally looking for is, you know, with low funnel keywords. Has such low volume that there isn't too much competition. So, for example, I'm working with a company which sells courses, like their coaching service, they provide online courses for product managers. So we were trying to kind of diversify from just high funnel keywords. What is product management? What do product managers do, etc. Cetera, etc.? Cetera. So we decided to go after this specific niche. So we started to essentially localize our searches. So product management certificate, Dubai, product management certificate, New York. And we created pages around them. And to be honest with you, it took a couple of weeks. It's not hard to rank for those specific keywords as long as you're doing the right things and you're sometimes giving them backlinks or internal links, stuff like that. So you can rank for
0: low funnel keywords pretty quickly. Awesome. I think that that's such a underrated aspect of it because people mm-hmm. from the get-go just want to get a bunch of clicks. They want to start yeah. seeing all that, but they don't understand that there's a bit of an art to it, to get to those yeah. low and funnel keywords.
1: Just expand on that. What your goal is as a marketer, as an SEO person, is to get conversions and sales online, right? So Mm -hmm. when you're building this high level content, which is, you know, what is or how to do something, you're building a lot of authority because they will attract links, that type of content. You're probably doing a lot of branding because you're solving a person's problems. But the ultimate goal is to get that conversion, right? So you want to use those pages to essentially help you rank better for your low funnel pages where all your conversions are going to come. Want to expand a little bit on that point.
0: Awesome, awesome, cool. So, I know one thing that you specialize in or where you're keen on in your space mm-hmm. is relating keywords to content strategy sort of that like seo is not just in a black box people seo i want to explain for the audience out there really filters out to other aspects of your marketing sort of a tool set certainly content is one of them so talk to us a little
1: bit about that your approach to that and how you work with your clients yeah for sure So I'll give you the basic rundown of what I would do. And I think this strategy is pretty easy to replicate. So essentially, what I do is the first place I go to look for keywords is, well, actually, let's look at it this way. The first place you should go to look for keywords is your own keywords. What are you currently ranking for? So what keywords are you currently ranking for? What does Google recognize your niche to be? And if you look Mm. at SEMrush or even better, if you look at your search console, if that's been properly set up for a while, you're going to get a lot of amazing data. So look at what keywords you're currently ranking for and, and decide, are these the keywords that I actually do want to? Rank for. And if that's the case, all you have to do is go to work on those keywords, whether that's writing content or better content for them, or whether that's getting them backlinks in some shape or form. But what happens is people who haven't focused on SEO, they don't really have anything built up. They probably have like a one or two page website. They don't have any content around it. Or If they do, it's like very like vague content. So in that situation, what you should really be doing is look at your competitors. And I'm not talking about your competitors that you see at trade shows or like that they're down the street. Go online and search your keywords. Like what is the ideal keyword for you to rank for? For Shopify, that would be like e-commerce platform. That would be an excellent keyword for them to rank for. Or if you're selling t-shirts, you know, buy customized t-shirts online. So actually go ahead and search that and look at your competitors who actually pop up on your Google search, right? So those are your online competitors. Essentially, you have to go ahead, you take those competitors, you take them to a keyword research tool. Now, a lot of these keyword research tools, actually, I wouldn't say a lot. Some of them are free, but for this specific practice, I do recommend you get something paid, maybe SEMrush or ARFs. I personally recommend SCM Rush. That's just a better workflow for me. But you take those competitors, you put them into a tool like SCM Rush, and you see what they're currently ranking for. And what SCM Rush, Rush will do is it will tell you what keywords you're ranking for, what difficulty those keywords are, how much volume it drives. And it will even tell you an estimation of how much traffic and how much that traffic is worth each month going to your competitors. Now from there, you have a pretty good set. So like I would recommend if you're a beginner, maybe three to five competitors, and depending on how big your niche is, extract anywhere from one to 3000 keywords, from each one of those competitors, okay? So now what you do, you have a very good list because if your competitors are ranking for your desired keywords, that means they're probably ranking for other keywords that you wanna also rank for, right? So this will help you create those keyword clusters. You can start writing content for later. So let's backtrack a little bit. Let's go back to, you have pulled, let's say three competitors and you pulled a thousand keywords. their top thousand keywords by search volume for each one of those thousand. Now you have 3000 keywords. What you're going to do is you're going to go into a spreadsheet, whatever you want to use. You can filter this by traffic or search volume. And this is the manual part. You essentially go through each one of those keywords and you basically highlight the ones that you want. And what you're going to start to see are patterns. So you're going to get to see a lot of your competitors are ranking for the same types of keywords. The same types of keywords are driving their traffic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll give you an example. So I was working with this company. I don't want to say the company's name. So I'm working with this company. Essentially, what they do is they're an application for new moms. So what I went ahead and did was I searched up keywords that are related to that software or that application. And what I found was, and this was the weirdest thing. They're all their competitors. They were getting traffic from this software, but it wasn't really well known. So it wasn't like a lot of people were searching for it. So how their competitors hacked this, since they wanted to target new moms was they were basically creating a lot of optimized content on baby names. So new boy, baby mm, names, mm. girl, baby <laughs> names, biking, baby Love names, that. fairy tale, baby names. This is how they were getting the traffic and it's genius because who's searching for baby names, moms who are about to have babies. And the application is for babies themselves. But if you never did that keyword research, you would have never guessed that ever in a million years to write content about baby names, right?
0: So I want to backtrack on that just to, cause that was great and sort of distill it for people who are listening and may not kind of click right away what that is. So they did keyword research and what they figured out is cause their competitors probably weren't trying that strategy. It was just accidentally happening right other, other. probably right it just goes to show what a little bit of basic research can do just a little bit of basic insights what that reminds me a lot of is how zapier doesn't even have to necessarily bid on integration or any of its keywords they just literally bid on every other piece of software together yeah. so then people like they, they probably know that they're looking if those two tools have an integration but that's awesome I wanted to backtrack because every marketer starts out as a generalist. How did you decide that SEO paid search was going to be sort of your unicorn or bread and butter skill to at least for the first bit? for six
1: years yeah it's a funny story so i didn't really, we really- love funny stories <laughs> i'll give you the full one so it essentially came about that i'm in university taking marketing not really decide what i want to do but i wanted to go into marketing i knew that there was this girl that i had a crush on university and <sighs> she was taking the one digital marketing class which was available in- yeah yeah it is bizarre to me at looking at it now because digital marketing is like 50 percent of marketing whoever you ask like spend wise probably employment wise, et cetera, et cetera. But there was only one digital marketing class. So I happened to take that class. And what we had to do as a final group project was we had to go and do digital marketing for a real company, create a digital marketing plan and go ahead and execute. So we got assigned to a soccer stadium. So this person owns a facility and essentially he's looking for players to come and practice at their facility. We did a little bit of research and what we found from his Google Analytics was that 50% of his traffic was coming from search engines, but when we were splitting up the work to do, so we decided to split it up. So some person takes social media, one person takes content, one person takes Twitter. But nobody wanted to SEO, even though that's where 50% of the traffic was coming from, 50% of the conversions. I assume is because SEO sounded scary or not sexy, like um, you know Facebook advertising at that time, and I'm talking like 2014-ish. So like Facebook was really taking off. This was before they, you know, if you had a page, you could actually get found. Not like you have to advertise now because they completely crushed that. So nobody wanted to do SEO. So I did SEO and it was okay. Nothing really went off, but like nobody else wanted to do it. Then I entered my first university job. And once again, SEO, which was Pay Canada, which was like a merchant services, like a Square mm-hmm, editor, mm-hmm. uh went out of business, unfortunately, but because of Square.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Square entered the market and it just crushed us. Crushed them. crushed us. But what happened was that that job, once again, SEO was a huge part. I'm taking SEO. I'm trying to learn SEO, YouTube, Udemy, whatever. And there's literally no like good courses on SEO. So I'm like, forget it. I have a year of experience. I have one year of experience. I'm just going to go ahead and create an SEO course. And I think that's when it really took off. Once again, like I wanted to be a general digital marketer, but then I was distributing that course. One of the people who saw that course was one of the co-founders of Crowdlinker. He invited me to come in and do SEO work for them. And yeah, the rest is history. So that's how I got it. That
0: is awesome. Cause I know you've been creating courses for a while and you know, the point of any content is to educate That's what we're all about here, which is absolutely amazing. So was the goal of learning more things like Instagram marketing all the things you did over the holidays to expand the scope of the courses or what sort of the move there
1: no so there wasn't too much strategy around it i had like a list of 15 things which i wanted to learn i would get up every single day because i'm not doing anything i'd be like okay what course do i want to take today one day i wanted to learn about webflow another day i want to learn about instagram so it's amazing like you have to go beyond just seo like if you want to be an expert in anything i think at a certain point your rate of return of learning stuff a new stuff is extremely low you're better off going off and learning an accelerated skill, which could also help. So for example, I took a course or like two courses on copywriting. And I feel as if that's really going to help me with my SEO. And another example, I took an Instagram course, and I can immediately see how my SEO experience can apply to Instagram. So it's just cool stuff like that.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I want to talk about one aspect of SEO that's always been a little bit and you talked about it earlier, is is niche. So suppose I have a niche product the search volume is super low. The obvious answer to that is increase the demand. But I was wondering if you, as someone with six years experience, have ever discovered any like sort of SEO hacks to get around low search volume for your key keywords. Yeah.
1: For well, firstly, there's no such thing as a perfect SEO tool. There's no such thing as an accurate assumption of how much. No. So just to give you an example, every single day, 30% of the search queries are brand new or every single month or every single year. One of these timelines, searches are completely new. So people are searching for different stuff all the time. So there's no way for you to get an actual answer for what is the true search volume of a keyword. Apart from that, like what I've personally noticed is when you are going for low traffic keywords, that's not really the case. If you try to rank for something which is low volume and you look at that exact same page on or that exact same keyword on your search console you're going to see that you're getting way more than the 20 search volume that xyz keyword tool told you you're going to be getting way more
0: i do notice that it's like it's sometimes i would notice that being like wait a second how do i have a thousand hits for this when the quote-unquote volume in canada is 300 i actually did notice that exact thing at my old job sometimes just being like what That doesn't make any sense
1: i don't have an answer for you exactly but partially is is that there's a lot of different keyword variations right so a single page won't just rank for one keyword it will never rank for one keyword it ranks for on average about 200 keywords but even the variations of those keywords, maybe they're sometimes not picked up. And yeah, so you're not really getting a true picture of anything until you actually put it out into the wild and see what's exactly happening. And these aren't like minor skews; These are like 10, 20X skews. So you really don't know until you know.
0: So in summary, keyword search volume, it really is just that. It's just a planner. Keyword planner is just a planner. It's yes. just, you Take won't know one.
1: What it does for me is that it helps me prioritize. Keywords. Absolutely. It doesn't help Absolutely. me like eliminate keywords. It helps me prioritize them is how I look mm-hmm.
0: at it. I'm assuming and this is the next like natural phase of this conversation, that this also applies to the CPC and the competition aspect of the keyword planner. Because sometimes to your point, I would see keywords with like low search volume, high competition, and it was like high, like CPC. I'd be like, oh, forget it. There's no way like, yeah. If I needed to hit like a 2 or $3 cost per click, I'd just be like, no, I'd average it out. I'd be like, wait, this makes sense. I shouldn't include it. But I'm guessing that's sort of the same idea. You use those to prioritize, but you don't know until you put that ad out into the wild.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It's a little bit less skewed on PPC simply because you get to pick what variations of your keywords because, you know, you can do match type, exact match, broad match, and it kind of opens or closes a floodgate. But once again, like you really don't know until you know. For sure, for sure, for sure.
0: I wanted to sort of pivot back to all you're doing on the courses side of things because I know you told me like you made your first course like back in, what was it like 2016, 17? Yeah, 16, 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool so I know a lot of people these days a lot of marketers they all have a skill yeah but I feel like all marketers face like imposter syndrome like really really hard and you're clearly someone that has like overcome like average mold and is just like you know what I have one year's experience I'm going to put myself out there and put a course out there what was that like was it scary at first were you afraid that people were going to be like I'm not getting any value out of this course walk me through that like what was that like
1: yeah obviously obviously some nerves I was doing it for about a year just looking back like how much i knew then versus how much I know now it's like night and day. Yeah. You know, you have to have good intentions, right? Like my intention wasn't get rich quick. Uh, make any money. No. Come off as anything that I'm not. I had some knowledge. I want to share it. If you want to pay for it, awesome. If you don't, it's cool, you can go to YouTube and you can probably get the same knowledge, but it's going to take you a longer time. So you have to think of it like this, right? You're start up with good intentions. You're only there to teach. And if you are adding more value than YouTube, which is probably the alternative for ninety percent of the people are reading art. Yeah. And you know they're going to waste a lot of time there. So you might as well guide them through it. But apart from that, I'll say another thing. So I feel as if it gets harder the longer you delay it. So I was, although I didn't have as much experience then as I do now, what happens is the more you learn, the further away you move from the median. So the person who actually needs to learn. I'm not thinking about the same problems as a beginner anymore. But when I was a beginner, when I was only one year into it, I had all these questions in front of me. I knew what a beginner was asking, what their struggles were. Exactly. Overcomplicate them where they would actually get questions because I was in that hustle. Like I was one of them. As long as you're open about it, that you are only a year in and that you're one of them, I don't think there should be any fear because you're in such an advantage when you're just one year in because you know what these people are thinking about. When you're six years in, and you're trying to make a beginner's course, it's so hard. Like, I can't relate to the people anymore who are just starting off. I know too much, essentially. So I think... Yeah, yeah courses like as soon as you either have a good idea about a course or whether you have enough knowledge and you've achieved a certain amount of results and you want to relay that to people, you will make a good course
0: so is the next idea to sort of do a slack community a mastermind something like that where you can create more advanced courses or are you just continuing Udemy, me or is there a bigger plan or something fun coming down the horizon
1: yes i don't want to create a beginner's course anymore i actually tried in the beginning of the year yeah yeah uh, because like i would i just thought It was, I didn't want to create that course. It was too much for everybody. But what I did notice was who have I worked a lot with? I've worked with a lot of SaaS professionals and I think I have that model of SEO. So SaaS SEO for the SaaS professional. I think I have that model figured out. I go into a lot of meetings with SaaS professionals and I'm just thinking, I could probably teach you everything I know. If you're smart enough to be a director or if you're smart enough to be a senior marketing person at a SaaS startup, you have the tools to become an awesome SEO yourself. So that's the next step for me personally is I'm working on... course designed for SaaS marketers. This was going to be my CPA, but maybe you'll give me an opportunity to plug it twice.
0: Let's do it near the end. Let's do it near the end too. You can briefly talk about it now, but we'll also talk about it. near
1: the Yeah, end. sure. I'm working on this SaaS course. I want to roll it out as a beta first. So I really want to lock this one in. I will be a beta
0: tester. So let's <laughs> do it, man. Let's yes. do it.
1: I just figure as if, if I'm making a really great course, I think it should be. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be taking it. And I didn't do that the first time around. I was just sort of creating a course for myself. But this time around, I want to really have that sort of deep feedback before I launch anything to the world.
0: That's awesome, man. That's so amazing. I saw something on LinkedIn recently. It was like, nobody goes to school for B2B marketing. So they've started this community, like, you know, one of those paid membership things yeah. for B2B marketers. For me, I've spent almost all my career in B2B SaaS. And I agree, it is an incredibly underserved area of the marketing world. So I can't compliment you enough on doing something like that, man. That is awesome. Thank you so much. So in your time with Crowdlinker and having worked with probably a variety of small startups, we love a good story here. So tell me about a really fun, like invigorating marketing project that you were like, I'm waking up every day and this just burns the fire and passion for it could be something internal could be something external. I leave it to you.
1: So I started off as an SEO professional. Absolutely. I was SEO yeah. all in. That's pretty much all I knew about three or four years ago. But what we started to notice was a lot of our clients were also coming for PPC. So Google Ads. This was not a skill set which I had, but I knew that since I knew SEO and I knew how to find keywords, I could learn the skill pretty quickly. What happened was we didn't have any clients in the space because obviously you're not going to hire someone who has like zero experience. Yeah, yeah. An opportunity came up. An opportunity came up because one of our co-founders went to Dubai. He had some meeting with some guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who would give us an opportunity for me to do their PPC at a very discounted rate. But here was a challenge. This company was in <laughs> Dubai. So they flat out told me, they're like, we're giving you a chance. You get to meet on our schedule. So at 2 p.m. on their time is about 7 a.m. our time. And they wanted to meet like every single day. So essentially what I started to do was I didn't want to take meetings at home because then I'm taking the meeting at home and then I'm late for other things that I have meetings for. So I had to for about three months. Yeah, about three months. I used to wake up at around 4 a.m. so I can catch the 5 a.m. bus, which was the first bus heading out of Markham because I used to live in Markham. Because
0: you used to live in Markham.
1: I used to live in Markham. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I used to live in Markham. So I used to catch the bus from 4 a.m. No, the 5:05 bus. It would take me to downtown by like 5:40. Walking to work from Union, I used to get to work by like 6:20 quickly make coffee, do planning and around 7 a.m. I used to have that meeting. So yeah, that's one thing. Like I really wanted to learn PPC and I was so excited by it. Because of that opportunity, it opened up so many other doors. I got to manage a really big insurance account later, spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's Um,
0: awesome, man.
1: That that hustle, like that specific hustle taught me so much about just PPC because right after the meeting, and sometimes it was like a 20 minute meeting. So I'm there at 7.20. No one else is coming in until like 10.00. So I used to just three hours of just learning, just trying different things. And they were really like cool about it. So yeah, that's a story.
0: That is incredible, man. It reminds me of, there's that one Forbes video that went viral of that one guy who's like a founder and he's he's got the tie on. He's like, I wake up at 4.30 a.m. like every day and all the comments are like of people who would never do that being like, he's going to burn out all that stuff. But one question that I always ask, I guess it's like become my signature question now on this podcast is I always have people who are, you know, founders, marketers, who are high achievers looking to learn and stuff inevitably there's the b word there's burnout like you can only go pedal to the metal for so long maybe not necessarily burnout in no. fully but how do you deal with i'm going to use a 2019 Kawhi leonard load management how do you load manage and how do you make sure that you are optimized for what you need to be doing
1: Yeah, so that's a really good question. I've personally experienced uh, some level of burnout, to be honest with you. So right after the opportunity, so I did the whole thing and then we started getting flooded with opportunities. So I was taking on way too many clients at some point, like eight months after that happened, because I was still hustling really hard. I didn't even want to log into Google Ads. Like I hated Google Ads at that point. I didn't want to look at anything. So it kind of really like deterred me to do that. My personal advice on just load management. I think a lot of people, if you ask about me personally, I can carry a long load. I don't take vacations often, but I think I'm able to do that firstly, because I'm really interested in what I want to learn. I always take my time when I'm doing work. It's never like rush, 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 so I can get it done and then do the next thing. It's always about take your time, learn different things. Things are going to pop up, take an interest in that and then come back so you know you can work long hours but you don't have to be like just steaming through it all apart from that i take saturdays off so like i have some time where i'm not working so i literally don't do any work on like saturdays at all so that kind of helps but i think you need to have a lot of passion like if you're super duper interested in something trust your own body however much you can give always take some rest where you're not focused on it do different things during the day so with me how i do it is i break up my day like i break up into morning afternoon and then evening so in the mornings what i'll do is i'll usually like I'm one of those people who wakes up really early so i wake up around, like, yeah too. i wake up around like five i'll wake up and then i'll do a lot of like self-development stuff in the morning so i'll reflect yeah. i'll reflect usually just what happened just planning maybe taking courses stuff like that until probably like eight and then i'll usually like ease into it so my morning session is from like 5 a.m to 10 a.m And then from 10 a.m. to like 5 p.m., I'm working on like Crowdlinker stuff or like very intensive, need to be focused, deep work. And then I'll usually take another break. This break is usually like to work out or to get a snack or something. And then around from six to around eight or nine, I'll go in and I'll do like some freelance work or I'll continue with the course or I'll be working on my own course or something like that. Yeah, So it's good to like break it up, do different things during different times of the day, have a very consistent sleeping schedule, make sure you get a lot of sleep and just do things consistently, like at the same time every single day. So your body kind of gets used to it.
0: Totally agree with that. Showing you my two minute journal. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you can read that, but that's my 630 or 645 normally every day. So I'm exactly on that wavelength. Another fun question I like to ask people is if money was no object, you took away a lot of those resource limitations. I have a feeling in your specific case, we know what that would be, but maybe you can elaborate a little bit on it, you know, within the lens of I have as much money and as much resources as possible. But what type of company would you start? Where would it be? What type of company would it be?
1: So I have unlimited amount of money, unlimited amount of
0: not unlimited, but let's say like a good amount of
1: money. A good amount of money. Okay, so there's a few. So I'm currently working. If you gave me some money right now, I would invest in my freelance business. So like <laughs> there's there's a lot of components to it. So, you know, when you're doing everything in SEO, it's a lot of work. Uh, yeah. So I would go ahead and I'll build out. I'll hire some people to do backlinking for me. Some people do project management. Some people do content, et etc. Et if you're asking me to build out like a product or something, I would seriously look at like building out in a comprehensive SEO tool, even though there's a ton of them in the marketplace, just the trajectory of how fast these SEO tools are growing, like SaaS SEO tools year over year, it's staggering. Like SEMrush, ARFs, these guys are seeing like 50% growth and they're like 50, $100 million companies already. So it's a very interesting space to be in. What else would I do? Yeah. I don't know. I would probably follow my passions. I'm very much into cricket. So uh, so yeah, cricket. I love cricket. I love playing cricket. So I would maybe come out with some technology there to assess performance or to help with recovery or or something like that. I hope I answer your question.
0: No, no, that's great. Cause I typically love to ask people things that have to do with work and don't have to do with work. So you kind of knock both balls out with the cricket bat there. So in some senses, but that's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. If you were to design that SEO tool, how would it be different than, this is like a hypothetical, pretend I'm the investor question. How would it be different than SEM rush? And how would it be, like what problem are you seeing with the existing tools in the market that you would be like, you know what, this is where we'll be different.
1: Yeah, so just like how Facebook has really like sort of dumbed down marketing, like literally anyone can hop on and quickly create. Anybody. Anybody, like anybody can go on and do it. I don't feel as if that's the same thing with SEO at this moment. So I would really love a tool, which was you basically, it takes all the thinking out of it. And I think it's pretty close that we're going to get a tool like this. It's basically you put in the theme of your website. So I want to create a health blog target for women who are 50 to 60 years old, who are interested in keto. Like that's my niche. And I want to create a blog on that. I basically feed this information and what it spits out are all of the pages I need to create. And all the places I need to buy backlinks from or get backlinks from. And just your entire information architecture, where things need to be linked. If you're doing a reverse silo, uh, what keywords need to be on that page. That would be amazing.
0: (laughs) I literally think that's either a billion dollar company, if that ever could actually be built. Or an acquisition waiting to happen by like a HubSpot or something like that. Because I don't think that is out there. That's not out there.
1: It's not even close. There's like remnants from different companies. So Surfer is amazing for building out your pages. SCM Rush is amazing for keywords. ARFS is great for telling you where you're getting backlinks. But no one's really done a good job of just think about my website and. Just tell me what I need to do. If it does exist, I'm out of a job, unfortunately, but it would be amazing to, you know, have that sort of sophistication in SEO.
0: That's incredible. And I think that ties together really well with the vision of what you were doing with your courses and like where you started in your journey. We are running on time, but Ali, let's go to that aforementioned CTA. We already Mm -hmm. talked about it, the SaaS marketing tool, but why don't you tell us a bit about it And if there are any SaaS marketers out there, how can they get in touch with you for the beta? or reach out to you about it so you can release this awesome sounding thing to the market?
1: Yeah, so for sure. So I'll give you the inspiration behind it. Firstly, I've been in a lot of meetings with SaaS professionals, work with a lot of SaaS professionals. And like I said, I believe that it wouldn't be too difficult at this point to come up with a game plan that every SaaS professional can use and do their own SEO or be at least sophisticated enough that they can outsource every single element of it intelligently, not just blindly trusting some guy they met on Upwork or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that's the vision. So what I'm hoping to achieve is you're coming into this course as someone who's either a beginner in SEO and wants to learn, or you have some level of knowledge, but you don't really know how to put it all together. And by the end of this course, what's going to happen is you will be able to create and launch your very own SEO campaign from scratch. You'll be able to do every single part of it. So technical, content, keywords, information architecture, backlinks, even tracking. So these are things which I want to essentially teach to people. And I also... Throughout this course, what I want to do is I want to help people build a proposal so that they don't have to tackle this themselves. So like basically creating a proposal, which they can go ahead and they can share with their executive team to give them buy-in or give them resources to go ahead and pursue SEO, because that's the other challenge, right? The first challenge is actually convincing your executives to give you the budget and resources so you can take on an SEO campaign yourself. And the second thing is actually executing it. So I want to hit both of those birds with one stone. What I'm imagining this course is going to be like, it's going to be more in-person training. So it's going to be probably six to seven weeks long with different modules. And we're going to have weekly calls where I'm going to run through slideshows, training you guys as to just the basics of SEO, as well as the foundational stuff. And then some of the more advanced stuff in each one of these different modules. And once again, like by the end of the course, no matter where you're starting from, you will be able to launch your own successful SEO campaign. And why I'm doing this is so the people who sign up to this beta program, and I'm trying to take about 10 people, I don't want to go above that. So if you are in Bruce, that's fine. Yeah, let's out. do it.
0: Let's do it, man. Let's so I do it. I only
1: have like five other spots left. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. You want to sign up to this, you know, they have to be SaaS marketers in North America, you will have to commit maybe one to three hours of time of your own personal sure this to this we're going to have weekly calls maybe one or two weekly calls just to make sure that everyone who's taking this program is on track and what i would need from you is feedback so if you can tell me what's working in the course what you want covered in the course what results did you get and if you would be open to sharing those results so i can use them as testimonials for when i actually launch the course and in return you get to take the course for free essentially and it's going to be a good experience
0: That's incredible, man. I am incredibly excited for you on that front. I think that is going to be something that, especially the last bit you were telling me about Convincing the C suite executives to get on board with that. That is such an underrated part of being a marketer. That is like the most underrated thing. You
1: have to sort of sell it. And that's a big part of how we pitch. Um, Essentially, like 50% of the pitch is just like, hey, this is what you need to tell whoever has the money (laughs) that you are going to do with the money and how it's going to pay you back in the long term. So it's like 50% of the job, essentially.
0: I can't wait for the course to come out. Ali, it's been amazing having you on. There are so so many nuggets from there that the world deserves to hear. Thank you for joining this episode of the MakeShift CMO.
1: No worries. Thank you so much, for having me on. I'm very excited to see what's next with this podcast series.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the MakeShift CMO. If you want to follow what we're doing to help early stage startups, founders, and marketers, subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. For all business inquiries, please email us at bruce at thebannermarketing.co or follow us on IG at banner.co.